Welcome to DBPA, the Drunk Bitches Podcast. I'm Jamie. And I'm Sarah. Each episode, we pair a wine with a topic where you get more lip with each sip. So let's get started. But first, pass the wine, bitch. Hey, DBPs. Hopefully, you're all hibernating in your houses and you are like us, prisoners of our own homes. And we are talking today about the coronavirus pandemic. This is new territory for the DBP host here because this is our first episode where we're actually going to be recording separately. So we're not cheersing each other. We're not drinking the same wine. I don't get to see Sarah. It's actually really sad. It is. (laughs) I don't get to see Sarah's pretty face. Anyway, new challenges all around. And so we hope everyone who's listening is safe and healthy and as happy as you possibly can be. And with a glass of wine in your hand, why wouldn't you be? So, Sarah, what are we drinking today? Today, we are drinking The Prisoner, which I'm sure many of you are familiar with, but since we are prisoners in our homes because of the coronavirus, we decided that this would be the perfect time to drink The Prisoner. So The Prisoner is a red wine blend of 44% Zinfandel, 20% Cab, 16% Petite Syrah, and small amounts of Syrah, Grenache, and Charbonneau. Um, I'm going to go ahead and open this one. It is a 2014, and it's 15.2% ABV. Now, I know many of you, this is one of the most popular California blends out there. Um, yeah. It was one of the first blends. I know, I'm sure many of you are familiar with this and have drank it, but here we go. I'm going to pop, see if I can. And Oh, very nice. Okay. And uh, I'm going to pour Go ahead. But, um, I'm pouring. I'm pouring my my Zinfandel. I am go. also drinking a Zin. It's called Hideout. It's a. It's from Bright Cellars, the wine subscription company. Not a sponsor, but uh, I thought it was appropriate because I am also hiding out in my house, and uh, it's a Zin from Cali as well. There you go. I'm gonna cheers myself to cheers you, okay. Jamie, <laughs> and to the rest of you, DB peeps. I'm gonna cheers the go. bottle. Okay. I go. feel like it sounds like those like Tibetan like sound bowls or something like that. Right? So true. <laughs> oh my god. So, Jamie, mm-hmm. you want to tell us a little bit about the prisoner here? Yeah, I do actually because I think this is really interesting. And we've talked about this dude, Dave Finney. He's the one that does all those like locations, wines, 8 years in the desert, which is his first Zinfandel since the prisoner. And he actually founded the Prisoner Wine Company in 2000, and he created this as an indie label and only created 385 cases. That's it. Super small. Not a great output. Not a huge production. But the thing is that, as Sarah mentioned before, like this is one of the first Cali blends that was not focused on a single varietal, but but was also based on a less, I think, popular varietal so it wasn't made out of like cabernet sauvignon based or merlot based as many blends are like the bordeaux blends this was zinfandel based and i think that that really was kind of you know edgy at the time i think that a lot of people just really thought it was awesome this actually started out as a 25 dollar bottle of wine and it grew quickly and it capped out i think it was at like 50 bucks right now it's about 40 ish okay that's not Um. terrible I think I paid, I want to say like 41 I know Whole Foods historically has had it a little cheaper, like 38 39 Really? And yeah, 
you can see it on sale sometimes. Um, if you see it under 40, that's a pretty damn uh, good yeah. deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Finney left Prisoner back in 2010. He sold it. He got bought out for $40 million. And then just a just hand- that just forty million, <laughs> just forty million. I know, right? And he probably started it as like a bootlegging business, just like everybody else in Cali. I mean, he probably didn't. But um, <laughs> <laughs> the Prisoner Wine Company actually sold to Constellation for two hundred and eighty-five million dollars, and Jesus, it I know, right? And it's now producing upwards of 165,000 cases of, I believe, just this particular wine, because Sarah, correct me if I'm wrong, they have other wines now under the Prisoner label. It's not just oh, the yeah. Prisoner. I think we have even done maybe one or two of them. I feel like we did um, two. Yeah, so they have something called Blindfolds. That's a white one. Uh-huh. Um, we've done Saldo. That's right. Yep, and we've done Thorn. That's the other one from Prisoner Wine Company. Oh, that was so, such a good Merlot. Yeah. Yeah, but they have other ones like Cuttings. Um, they have another red blend that's $100 called Derange. Um, so yeah. they have a ton. Now, Orange Swift is still making wine. And Orange Swift is the As name that know. he's made. Yeah, 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 is what uh, Dave Finney does yes. his wine under. Yes, so Dave Finney and Orange Swift are the same. He does a bunch of different wines, and because when he sold to the prisoner, he actually signed a non-compete that he wouldn't make Zinn for, I think it was, what, seven years, right? Eight years? I think it's eight years, which is yeah. why that newest wine of his is... Eight, eight years in the desert, desert, and that is uh, as Infidel. So yeah. it is a very interesting the history to this. This is, like I said, a pretty um, common wine now. I'm getting, it is, it's Zin Forward for sure. Is it um, oaky? Not really. Like, there's, defi- there's definitely oak on it. You can definitely taste the oak, but it's not, I wouldn't say it's, like, oaky. Okay. But it's, like, bright. You definitely get the Zin. I think it needs to air a little bit just because it's a 2014 and need to kind of let it breathe. But the the fruit on it is very intense. I like the prisoner. I'm going to be honest. I think it was a little bit better when Dave Finney was doing it. I think um, that's an argument that can be made, though, is like when it starts out small, you know, there's a lot more love that kind of goes into it. And then when it's taken over by a big conglomerate, I think there's always that fear that the, you know, true nature of a wine is changed because it's it's now under this umbrella and, you mm-hmm. know, sort of whether you wanted it to be sustainable or, you know, where you wanted to source things. Maybe you have different requirements based upon these conglomerates. I don't, I don't know for a fact, but I, I, and I do know, like there are some wines that are even under Constellation that surprised me the last time I looked and admittedly I've forgotten what some of those are besides this one. But, um, you know, I think that there is, especially when there's such a reputation for that winery already, I bet that they have, you know, winemakers have a greater influence as to what that wine continues to be uh, moving forward, so long as they stay with the company. But Right. Um, well, the interesting thing is, this is 2014, so it was sold in 2016 to Consolation. So, mm. what I'm drinking here is... But it's um, not technically actually, Dave Finney, because he left no, in 2010. No, Exactly. So it's the prisoner. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it's it it's very it it's got the jam like you would expect for Zen. 
It's definitely bold. It's definitely full-bodied. I am getting the hints of oak. You know, I would say maybe like macerated cherries, maybe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like the really black cherries and uh, maybe a blackberry, too. You know, it's smooth. It's definitely smooth and well-balanced. Oh, so. It sounds so good. And I actually, so I just found some information on the 2014 that is on artisanwinedepot.com. I have actually never been on the site before, but what you described, though, I think is pretty on par with what they have as the tasting notes. Great. I'm glad I'm uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I'm on par. <laughs> uh, so this Charbono, like, I don't yeah. even, is that how you say it? I always thought that that was like a hybrid grape. I didn't think it was like a legit uh, Vitis Vinifera, like standard one, but it's yeah. apparently like an Italian grape. Yes. So um, it's really interesting. It's only grown on a handful of acres in um, in California, so in the Napa Valley. Um, it usually produces, like, dark acidic red wine with high tannin. Okay. And, um, like, wild berry aromas. Now, it doesn't tell us the thing. The whole thing with the Prisoner blend is you don't know the exact – it's it's like a secret, the exact blend. So we don't really know how much is in there. Oh, we know, sure. obviously – it's less than, you know, 65%. It's it's probably like maybe 5 or 10, who knows. Um, but it is a Italian wine grape variety. And um, historically, it was grown in the Savoy wine region, which was Italian and then French in 1860. But today, it's actually more planted in Argentina, which I think it's known as mm. Deuce Noir. It's also known as Bernardo. I've seen that. I've seen yeah. Bernardo. Mm-hmm. So that's the same grape Turley also i think uses it and some a few other uh, wineries like uh villa helena so yeah so it's not just the prisoner but um it's out there there's not much of it obviously and so this is the first time that we've i think had a wine that has tribono in it and oh also some people think that it's actually related to the dolcetto nero grape of italy so that's what we have on tribono but uh you know, I'm enjoying this. Um, so why don't we talk about, you know, why we're recording separately here? Girl, did you? Houses. Oh, yeah. Did you wash your hands? Have you been washing your hands like 50 million times a day? They're so dry. They're bleeding. I know. I, it's terrible. I'm like, what is happening right now? And I have a thing of hand sanitizer next to my front door. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I really haven't left for uh, a few days, which is getting me a little stir crazy, but the reason why is because shit has literally hit the fan. Like, shit. Shit's hit the fan. Has hit the fan. I honestly think that there's going to be, like, a pre-coronavirus world and a post-coronavirus world. <laughs> I like, mean, but the thing like, is... this is, like, war. We're in war. This is how I... Yeah, you know us. what? I was just listening to a newscast um, earlier today, and I think it was in France. They actually said, this is war. Yeah. And, like, apparently in France, and I guess we'll get to this, but apparently in France, in order to be outside of your house, you have to have a note. Like, they have, like, a form that you have to fill out to prove that you have, like, business to attend to outside of your home in order to be out of doors. And you need to present it. They have, like, checkpoints. Like, Paris itself yeah. has, like, over 130 checkpoints or something. So, th- I'm like, Jesus, like, this is... That I feel like this is like World War Two. Like it's just, it's very it's 
it's pretty unsettling when you hear about that stuff. I mean, this, it's terrifying for sure. And I think what's worse about this is that, you know, it's all of the unknown. But <laughs> I, I have to mention, because we're segueing from our wine into our topic, I have to share with you something that my sister-in-law sent me. <laughs> okay. She sent me uh, yesterday. She, it's like a little meme thing, okay? I'm not sure where she pulled it. And she goes, actually, it's only quarantine if it comes from the quarantine region of France. Otherwise, it's just sparkling isolation. Uh, <laughs> and I just thought it was funny. so funny because it sounds so wine-ish. But yeah. it's also, it's definitely that. But anyway, that was funny. That's hilarious. Um <laughs> But yeah, we're moving into the whole, like, our world now is just surrounded by flatten the curve and social distancing and stay the fuck home. Hashtag. These are phrases that have very quickly become part of our everyday language. It is scary stuff, but we also need to remember that we need a dose of reality along with, you know, a nice glass of wine to make us feel better. <laughs> that yeah. To help us kind of through the situation. So... You know, what we're going to try to do today is talk a little bit about, like, what the hell is actually happening? Why are people freaking out? And legitimately, why are they freaking out? And then let's talk about, like, what should we be doing? Right. Exactly. You know, this is, it is literally crazy. Things are changing by the hour. So I just, I want to put that out there. Oh, yeah. That by the time that this um, podcast comes out, we're recording a few days ahead of time. Oh, yes. So things might be different i mean things are changing by the hour so please you know listen to this podcast with that grain of salt in your mind and we can't predict what's going to happen in three days so right and we i would never feel like i would need to emphasize that as much as i have but what has changed in the past week has been insane so i mean sarah even some of the information that you found after work hours today was different from what i saw at like 11 o'clock today so yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's certainly changing, and I think that the important thing to remember is that you kind of need to sift through all of these different pieces of information, and we've tried to do that for you, our listeners, uh, so that we can kind of, like, get down to, like, what is actually happening, like, what's going on and what's, what's just, like, yeah. a myth. Also, we want everyone to be able to do the right thing, and we also want to be, like, let everyone know or remind everyone, like, we're not docs, so if you feel like you're sick, don't talk to us. <laughs> Call your doctor. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, yes. Call. Yeah. Don't just show up. Don't just call, show up. Please. Don't just show up because you could be either yeah. exposing others or exposing yourself to something that you don't want. So, Sarah, what is a coronavirus? Because this is COVID-19 that we're talking about here in the States. Yeah. So what so, is coronavirus? So coronavirus, I think, I think everyone should know, is actually a group of viruses. And they cause symptoms like the common colds, like runny nose and you know uh, sore throat and cough and sneezing but this can go from that to pneumonia depending on you know the actual virus now I say it's a group of viruses because SARS I'm sure everyone remembers SARS oh yeah that's a type of coronavirus MERS which is the Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome virus that's a coronavirus so so coronavirus is um, a group of viruses the one that we're talking about COVID-19 is actually called COVID-19 because it was discovered in 2019. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now, Corona, we all know Corona beer. If you think about Corona <laughs> yeah. beer, what's on there is a crown. And so the name comes from crown. Corona is Latin for crown because the virus actually has crown-like spikes on the surface of itself. 
Oh, like if you were to look at it through a microscope? Yes. Okay. So that's where the name comes from. Um, now, COVID-19, like we said, was discovered in December 2019 um, in China. And we'll kind of get to that. But it, it's not the flu, guys. Like, it is more fatal than the flu. The flu has a, a fatality rate of 0.1%. And we'll talk about what we've seen here in, uh, so far with mortality rate. But that's why people are scared is it can be fatal. And the incidence goes up with age as well as if you have other chronic conditions like mm-hmm. heart disease or diabetes, things like that. Well, obviously lung disease and smoking is another risk factor. So the most common symptoms are fever, shortness of breath and cough. But the thing is, you don't always present with symptoms either. Exactly. So And, so you know, wild. they have seen that children are asymptomatic for the most part. When they're looking at China, they're, they've only seen that the patients that have gotten ill, only two, like, I think it was like 2.3% or something like that are under the age of 18. Oh, my gosh. So, which is, I mean, good news. It's good news that it's not affecting children to make them ill. True. Definitely. But they are carriers like that's the thing so i don't know jamie if you want to tell us all where this came from because i know you kind of looked into this and sure i mean there's a there's some there's some theories going around so yeah i mean i feel i do feel bad and i you know let's keep in mind we started hearing about this at the end of the year like with just with the turn of the new year and that's because the the world health organization was informed of this from china on December 31st. So China hadn't really disclosed much information, but it did in fact originate there. They say it might be the, and I apologize for pronunciation, but the Hubei province in China. And patient zero, they've they've been trying really hard to track back to who this patient zero is. Because, I mean, let's be honest, in every movie we got to find out who patient zero is. And they claim that it's like really important to find out who patient zero is, but I question like, should we focus our energies there or should we focus our energies on resolving this? But anyway, um, so they suspect that it was a 55-year-old man. It came about on November 17th. That's the first day. But they didn't realize it was a new virus until late in December. And the Chinese government was still so unsure about it that they just really kept things like their lips were sealed. They didn't really say much, but they it became such a big deal that on the 31st of, of December in 2019, they had to kind of disclose that information. So they they do, you know, kind of question whether or not the symptoms really appeared December 8th. Uh, some say that the symptoms appeared December 1st. So it just seems that like every couple of weeks there, you know, there's it keeps getting pushed back. A little bit further yeah. and a little bit further. So, you know, what they one thing that I thought was really interesting though is that in order to kind of determine like, well, exactly like when did this originate and come about? Because what they've been using are searches. Like I'm sure Google and, you know, other search websites, they started kind of tracking like when people were searching for um, symptoms, particularly those that uh, Sarah just mentioned a few minutes ago. So that's what they're using to help identify like when this maybe originated and when it orig- originally came about. In terms of you know what's happened since then, I'm like I've seen a number of curves and they're terrifying. Um, but you also remember that at the very beginning, you got to start small. And then your scale has to grow drastically. So it it looks really scary. It is really scary. But um, I know, Sarah, you found some information about some of the more recent 
numbers. Yeah. So I think the other question just about going back to where it came from is where did it originate? And I, I believe that they think that it originated in bats and then spread to humans and it could have spread to humans even via snake. So we really don't know. Yes, we really don't know. Many of those that infected in the beginning were at a wholesale like animal market in Wuhan, China. So we're not exactly sure how that happened, but they think that's where it all came from. Yikes, bikes. And the, the World Health Organization, or the WHO, actually declared this a global pandemic on March 11th. So very, very recently. Um, I'm surprised Which it wasn't announced like before. It seems like forever ago, right? It, it seems like forever ago, and yet it seems like, wow, things carried on for a long time before <laughs> before that was established. Um, we are seeing almost 200,000 people, right? 200,000 cases at this point. We're recording on St. Patrick's Day for everyone so that if you want to look back at numbers like that's what it is today it's just under 200,000 cases reported worldwide worldwide worldwide. yeah yep so worldwide that's we're almost there um there's been almost 8,000 deaths worldwide and about 81,000 have recovered so I did the math and that's a global mortality rate of four percent Okay. Now, I know China reported 3.4%. Um, however, Italy has a higher mortality rate, I think, of about 6%. And I, I don't know if that's just because they're not testing everybody or um, what's going on. But, you know, it could be that it's because they have more elderly patients that they're treating. But that's what they're reporting right now. Okay. So for here in the United States, as of today, we have 5,711 cases and 94 deaths, um, which gives us um, about a 2% mortality rate. We've had 17 that have recovered. And just kind of reminding everyone, the flu is 0.1%. So and the the mortality rate goes up with age. So the highest mortality rate is in the age group of 80 plus now that doesn't yeah. mean that everyone's safe it's just that you are seeing in those age groups that the old the more elderly you are the more at risk you are for um fatality so now in our state of wisconsin we have 47 confirmed one is recovered like i think on friday that's going to be when you guys are listening it's going to be considerably more who are um, recovered but, or who are who, no more cases? I, uh, in terms of how many have been Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean I I still question the whole like how long do like how long do you have to be symptom free or do you get repeat testing before you're considered recovered? To me, yeah. I feel like that's vague based on some other information which we'll share later, but All right. So what else I mean like what else what else is happening? I it's it seems like this whole world has kind of just been upended and it's just people don't know what to do well, anymore. I think everyone's like, oh, well, why should I, you know, like, at first everyone's like, well, why would I stay home? Like, why are we canceling schools? Because what does that mean? It means your kids are at home and you have to do something with them. And I can't even imagine. Consider, like, you have a job or two jobs. If you have a spouse or a partner that has one or two jobs and you have a small child or uh, two or something, and now they're at home, like, what, what do you end up doing? I mean, I know like a lot of companies are going remote, but I also believe that a lot of companies don't have those capabilities and or are laying off people. I mean, one of my friends just got laid off yesterday. 
the economy worldwide is going to tank. Yeah. Like, that's just kind of what's happening. But yeah. the reason it's so important that people stay home is because when we talk about flattening the curve, like, what does that actually mean? Every, I think everyone's seen these graphs on social media, but if you don't understand what it means, the thing is, is one, kids, like we said, can be infected and still be asymptomatic and they can spread it to like people like the elderly or even, you know, their parents. Mm-hmm. Flattening the curve means reducing the rate of spread to not completely overwhelm the healthcare system because the healthcare system does not have the capacity. Oh my gosh. They just no. don't. No. And so there's not enough hospital beds. There's not, not, not enough healthcare workers. There's not enough masks yep. to take care of everybody. Yep. And you don't want to be where Italy is right now, where they're actually rationing ventilators. They're, they're basically saying if you're 80 or over, like we're not even going to try and help you. Yeah, I was just going to mention that. I heard yeah. that shortly before the end of my workday today. And I was like, yep. oh. Because they have to basically choose who lives or dies. That's what they're doing in Italy. We don't want to be in that. We no, don't we, want to be there. We don't want to be in that position. But yes. so the government has started to really, I think, make an effort towards trying to get us to a good position or as the best position that we can find ourselves in by making, you know, certain mandates or suggestions. I know that they're working towards um, the coronavirus pandemic relief program. There's still a little bit of hesitation there because we need to also consider the long-term effects there. Like, are we looking for just a short fix or are we looking for long-term effects? And I think that there's some caution there as there should be caution with literally everything we do. But what's happened that I found so interesting, and you mentioned this, Sarah, about closing schools. Like we have here, 37 states have closed public schools. And I know a number of those private schools in those states have also followed suit. This is wild. Oh, my God. West Virginia is the only state without a reported case? Still? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they're not. Like, no, I'm just curious because like two days ago I had seen like Montana and Idaho and along with West Virginia. So I'm surprised that they are, they've still been able to hold on the fort. Um, Either that or they're just not testing people. You just don't know. You know, other updates that we have, uh, you know, the White House, like I know we've seen uh, Trump give uh, reports and, and recommendations strong urging and recommendations for people to just kind of sit around for 15 days let's just you know let's let's call it what it is and just say let's 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 see what happens in 15 days if people aren't out and about and aren't in in you know rooms with other humans more than they need to be so I think that you know they are trying to make the best decisions possible it's a very uncertain time but I think that your whole point Sarah that the hospital, the reason why they're suggesting these things is because the hospitals don't have the capacity to care for all of the people. But I also think that what we're saying too is that we need to keep in mind that there are people who work there that are susceptible to this, to whatever is coming in through their doors. And so if you don't have to be one of those new cases, like just don't. Well, yeah, so... (laughs) Talking about, like, what the hospital, what we can handle. So the United States currently has 160,000 ventilators and 45,000 ICU beds. In a moderate outbreak, 200,000 Americans would need ICU beds. Just think about that for a minute. Wait, across the whole U.S. there's 45,000 ICU beds? Yeah. Wow. Wow. So if it became a severe outbreak, 
you're talking 2.9 million could need Jesus ICU beds. And, and that's just people with coronavirus. Other people need ICU beds. Like, that's the thing. You get in a car accident. Oh, exactly. You hope. Exactly. You, know, like, you have a heart attack. Like, you better hope that there's a bed for you. We, we're talking about, you know, coronavirus, coronavirus, all this. But let's keep in mind, like, the day by day. Like, the everyday issues that arise, you know, in society. Like, that still is taking up resources. And so right. this coronavirus is piling on top. Yeah. Yeah. Um, healthcare professionals could get sick and be forced to stay home. Then there might not enough be not enough people to run the ventilators or take care of the ill. And hospitals are already rationing masks and protective equipment. They don't know there's not enough. Yeah. That's the thing. So right now I know that some hospitals are trying to set up tents or other open areas to screen people. The other issue is that there hasn't been enough testing because the testing's not been widely available. So I know that Roche uh, is a pharmaceutical company that just came out with a new test that should have a faster response time and that many states are working towards drive-through testing so that people aren't showing up at the evening or like anywhere to expose everyone else if they have it. So if you do drive-through testing, at least you can sit in your car and get tested. I mean, it's um, certainly so an interesting way to think about things. Yeah, I know that's going to be happening at, like, Walgreens and CVSs. So we'll see what happens. Um, huh. Yeah, this is, like, no joke. So I think I think everyone needs to keep this in mind. As you are sitting at home and thinking how much it sucks, like, we are to be in your house and not be able to go anywhere. or Or, you know, a lot of you still have the choice. And I would say please exercise the choice of staying home because one person can infect 50 people, you know? So like we need to keep that in mind and, you know, try and limit your exposure to others unless it's uh, virtual. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Like what we're doing right now. I mean, technology exists. We could just FaceTime. I'm going to have a FaceTime wine night with another friend later this week. So it's all going to be fun. Sarah, I have to ask, like, do you find when things like this happen, do you, do you automatically go into panic mode? No, I don't automatically. I mean, I've definitely panicked, but it's About not automatic this? for me. Okay. I'm just curious because it seemed like, I don't think that we, uh, Sean and I have necessarily panicked, but I think that, you know, we have looked at it and we're like, oh, all right, we'll probably need to make some plans. But that was like before Wisconsin even got its first case. And I was like, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm running out of regular things that I need at home anyway. So I'm just going to the store to buy like the regular amount. And then I found out that shit was hitting the fan in New York. My friend couldn't find hand sanitizer or Clorox wipes or anything like that. And I was like, wait a second, what is happening? I was like, this can't be true. And sure enough, I ended up going to Target and I saw that the whole hand sanitizer or Clorox wipe section, it was all empty and it had a sign on there. And I'm sure I know everyone's seen these these pictures and all that stuff. And I think it's so Mm -hmm. crazy. But first we started with masks and people bought up masks. And so everyone looked kind of like kind of like back in the 2000s, like when SARS hit, like everyone is wearing masks everywhere. Then it came to hand sanitizer. And then it became other disinfectants that they were running out of. And now, now, dear God, we're with toilet paper. I've seen, like, weird memes about, like, creating your own bidet, like, at home (laughs) to avoid the need for TV. (laughs) 
Um, like, what is what is the deal with that? I'm sorry. If you're stuck at home and you ran out of toilet paper, get in the shower. What? Like, so what, what? Sarah, I had the same thought. And I was like, I mean, would it be gross? Probably. But, like, you also like, have a shower. Of running, out, running out of food. Like, there's other things that I'm more concerned. Laundry detergent. That's more concerning. Like, I agree. Although, if we're not, not going to have... see anybody, we'll just rewear a bunch of clothes and it doesn't matter. We'll just live in our own filth. <laughs> yeah, but then you're gonna like you're gonna need laundry detergent to wash off your underwear when you're like not running. That out is true. Paper. That's true. That's true. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I just like don't understand. I mean, I do remember seeing or seeing a tweet from I believe it was the CDC who was like, seriously, people stop buying masks. It was like the most aggressive text I've ever seen from a government entity, but. It was so crazy because I was like, why is everyone rushing to go buy these? Because the thing is, other people need this. So why is toilet paper such a thing? Basically, there's a book called The Psychology of Pandemics, which sounds mildly interesting at this point in time. But they're basically saying that people get into a state of panic for five reasons, okay? Number one is that people resort to extremes when they hear conflicting messages. And so we're in this age where social media is literally everywhere. And so there's, and there's yep. a lot that's not known, right? You know, we talked before, like, they're still trying to figure out, like, who patient zero is. They're still trying to figure out where it actually originated, whether it was bats or snakes or what have you. I mean, it could be anything. And so when there's all these things that are unknown, people just don't have a clue of who to trust in terms of information. And they also are unsure about the risk that this poses and and how seriously they need to prepare. So when they think that something – and sorry, this is one of the quotes from the the author – he says, when people are told something dangerous is coming, but all you need to do is wash your hands, the action doesn't seem proportionate to the threat. And so special danger needs special precautions in people's minds. It's not something as simple as cover your mouth and then wash your hands if you sneeze or cough. They yeah. want it to be more extreme. And so that is a reason why people resort to those extremes. Okay. Makes some sense. That makes sense. Yeah. For sure. But still, why did everyone, like, latch onto toilet paper? That's what I don't get. Well, because I think it was, like, the next thing, right? Everyone had already sold out of masks. They had already sold out of hand sanitizer and disinfectants. And so it's like, well, what do we have next? I mean, the food aisles, the number of pictures I've seen just, like, circulating and also individuals who I'm, like, close with, it is kind of scary that the food shelves are actually, they're bare. I, that to me, it should also be up there. But toilet paper is a very interesting one because it's like, how much do you have to wipe your ass? And maybe this is a testament. I mean, Charmin, <laughs> like all of these toilet paper companies advertise like, oh, fewer sheets per use or something, right? Because <laughs> it's like thicker, more absorbent. So it's like, do you really need that much TP? Come on. Jamie, I'm going to have to ask you a very personal question right now. <laughs> How many sheets do I use? No, no, oh, no. Okay. Uh, I mean, I can't ask you that. <laughs> but because I don't know, I feel like it's variable every single time for me. I mean, exactly. I don't think it's like, I was going to say right? the same. I'm not like counting. How many rolls do you have in your house? I probably have, I bought a really big pack. So I probably have 24 rolls. But that's because that's what I normally buy. That's not because I was going like, outrageous and like buying some crazy amount like that's just when I go to the store that I buy the yeah. biggest one because I don't want to have to lug that shit again 
we're, we're the same. I have the biggest one. Yeah. And I bought one pack. Yeah. It's like about 30. Yeah. If we run out, like you said, we got other ways to deal with this. I mean, consider. Sorry, this is going to be really gross for a second. But all the moms who are listening, and dads maybe, they might be able to like, this resonates a little bit. You know those cloth diapers became really, really yes. hot for parents like within the past few years? Yes. It's the same fucking thing. You could create yourself a cloth diaper. You'd have to get rid of your own shit just like you would for a baby. Okay, let's talk about how guys don't need it half the time. This is true. This is true. This is something that we can all can get through. <laughs> so are you saying like, that the proportion of the 30 rolls that you have, you'd say about 60% or 70% goes to you and only 30% to Adam? <laughs> I mean, it's I, I'm, I'm the woman. I need toilet paper every time I pee. Like, I mean, like, come on. You know, so like... Or you could do you, you could know. do what uh oh my god what the hell was her name in that that Britney Spears Crossroads movie I just remember this girl peeing in an alley and walking away and she goes drip dry <laughs> just like yeah wiggles. you could drip dry for sure uh, listen you're home like yes who do you have to it's impress not like you're out somewhere like no go jump in the shower use a towel I don't know right right figure figure it out figure it but out yeah anyway all that's right not my mask things. <laughs> no, no, no. But it has been entertaining to say the least, at least that part. Yeah. Reason number two is that the people are reacting. The reason number two why they start to freak out and panic is because they're reacting to the lack of clear direction from officials. They assume that officials are going to be the ones to provide guidance and they just don't. So anyway, that I think is very related to reason number one. Reason number three, panic buying begets panic buying. And so social media, this is driving me nuts. It's the biggest player in the novel coronavirus fear mongering. And so misinformation is spreading with ease because these various platforms, whether you're looking at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, TikTok, I don't, I don't even fucking know more of them, but just assume I've mentioned all of them. Like that amplifies voices of panic. And so when people post these pictures, everyone's just like, holy shit. That's what my store is going to look like. I got to run out there and go get it too. And that's why it keeps happening. That's why these stores cannot keep stock in anything because people start freaking the fuck out. So I think that that is all of these pictures and people posting so much stuff online. It's like, guys, take a step back. Calm the fuck down. Get what you need. Leave some for the next person. It's going to be okay. So what you're saying is... is shop normally yes how noble how noble <laughs> so yeah but then the other thing too is that like if we look at the other the other two reasons that remain on this list number one or sorry number four actually it's natural to want to over prepare so certainly especially if you have families like there's no telling what you're gonna require right i mean thankfully for us it's like the two of us and the two of you and so we're just like well we kind of have a sense of like how much we're going to go through in, you know, a month or whatever anyway, or two weeks at, at a minimum. And so it's like, we'll, we'll be fine. But other people want to overprepare because they think the end of the world is coming anyway. But then reason number five, and this I think to me resonates a lot more just because people 
like by preparing yourself and by stocking up on things like the essentials that you feel like you will need, it allows you to feel a sense of control over the situation, which is certainly a challenge for so many people. You don't have to be OCD to be to want to be in control of what's going on in your life. And right now, all of us are just kind of like, what's going on? Like, what? How are we going to handle? How are we going to handle this? We're not used to having to take things day by day because we've said this on countless episodes. We're a society now that sort of demands like immediate answers because we can look anything up at the at our fingertips. Mm-hmm. But in reality, there are still uncertainties. And I think that we need to be, I don't want to say be okay or be complacent with things, but we need to accept that there are some things beyond our control And so we need to maybe take a step back and, you know, remember what it was like in the 1990s before cell phones and before flights were super cheap and before, you know, we could get to a lot of places and travel a lot of places. But I think we also need to be thankful for the fact that technology exists so we have other ways to keep in touch with humans. And that's really, really important. Yeah. You know, I think it is, it is something as people, there's going to be like a mental well-being part to this too. Oh, so it's really 100%. important that you are able to talk to people, FaceTime with people, you know, listen to us so that you can feel closer. Yeah. Um, I mean, I will but, podcast you know, binge for sure. Yeah. So I think that that's really important. But um, yeah, I mean, because what you just you know, said, Sarah, like we are honestly like especially that mental health piece, like Everything else that we expected to kind of get us through, you know, um, emotionally and also just kind of keep us, you know, extrovert a little bit, you know, keep social interactions going. We're now being told, like, don't do any of that. And so we're finding that life as we know it is just essentially like shutting down. I mean, I have been shocked, but I can't say that I'm as disappointed as some uh, for all of the same reasons, at least anyway, that, you know, we're finding that Disney World is shut down. Broadway is shut down. Concerts are canceled or postponed. College is being shut down. All the sports. All, all the sports. The sports yeah. And so it, weddings. Yes. I mean, oh, like- terrible. And it, the thing is, like, I know it sucks. And and that's like the hard part is that we, I think we as a society need to empathize, sympathize with others and know like your situation sucks. Like yeah, I will say like in the instance of like planning a wedding or a big party or, you know, some huge event or something like those are super positive things. And we kind of want to keep like the little ounces of positivity that we can in our lives. But now we're being told that we can't really do that. So we also can't go out to bars or or restaurants like even here in Wisconsin uh, I think our governor just said like everything was closing even though I know a number of them were closing to begin with just for you know their own employees sake but you know all of this stuff is just so it's so wild but I I gotta be honest here I think I feel better that it's happening versus it not happening do you know what I mean oh it's 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 so wild, but it's so necessary. I think people need to understand how necessary it is. Yeah. Like, if this wasn't happening, you might get this and become critically ill, and there might not be someone to save you. Like, I don't yes. think people understand that. And also, you might feel okay, but you could put somebody else at risk who would be in that situation. Yep. And so it's not just about you. And that is something that I think 
unfortunately, it's very hard for Americans to come to terms with that it isn't just about us. It's not just about you. Yeah. It is about everybody else. It is about the elderly. It is about the immunocompromised. It is about the people that, you know, maybe the healthcare workers that need to be out there. It is about them. So, yeah. like, they're going to be our heroes for oh, the next totally. however many days. you got to think of them as soldiers because that's really what's happening. That they're is essentially it, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's a great way to kind of illustrate it because it's like everybody else, I and I don't, I'm sorry, I, this seems really insensitive. I just realized it, but I don't want to downplay the situation. Like I know people are losing their jobs over this. I know people are having to make other work arrangements and I know that it really is frightening and it sucks and there's so much uncertainty. I, you know, I feel it too. I, I'm fortunate because I normally work remotely, so it's not as big of a a hindrance or, you know, like setting me off kilter a bit. But, you know, I know that it's really terrible, especially with the whole job loss situation. But I do think like, and I hate this phrase so much, and I think it's because it was in a film at one point, but like these decisions are being made for the greater good. It's not taking one individual into account, which may seem a little ignorant or rude when you think about it initially. But if you take a step back and look at the big picture, that's why these decisions are being made. And that I think is sometimes difficult to remind yourself of, but it's definitely something that I think we all need to appreciate again, because it is bigger than just us. It is bigger than just our family. And maybe you have a little extra snuggle time. (laughs) Or maybe you, I don't know. I just, sometimes there is a part of me that like, it really sucks. And I do miss people. But in, in reality, I would hope to live to another day. Maybe we won't do it now. We can do these things later, right? Yes. So let's let's keep the yes. social distancing. That's yeah. that's what this is all about. I mean, I'm I'm being social with you right now through social distancing. I and exactly. all of you, you DDP people. So I think that if we make smart choices, a lot of people. So first, I think you had mentioned we talked about like fatalities, but just a reminder that about eighty percent are mild of these cases. Uh-huh. So you might not even have symptoms. Yeah. And that's why we're not sure what the actual mortality rate is, is because not everyone's being tested. And so, like, you don't even know, you're not counting those asymptomatic patients in the denominator, so you're not really sure. True. People are recovering, and there's other things you can do. So, like, maybe this is the time that you, like, learn to play an instrument or <laughs> read a book or... <laughs> You know, maybe learn a new language or, like, spend some time with, you know, I don't know, you, you're going to be home with your family for however many days. <laughs> so we don't really know. But, you know, I don't know. I have some projects around the house that I never had time for, so I'm planning on doing some of that. But, yeah. I mean, I, I think this is forcing everybody to kind of, like, take a moment, you know. So. Yeah, it's, it is funny. I mean, it's not funny. Sorry, this is not a funny situation. But, like, it's striking to me when I see comments. Uh, and they're mostly, you know, again, there are so many f- hilarious and so true memes that are out there at the moment. And it's basically saying, like, haha, and you wanted us to, like, book our schedules completely. Now we don't know what the fuck to do with our time. Because I think as society, like as we've grown as a society and things have changed, you know, we're just so used to being overly busy and our schedule is just totally booked and we have no free time to do anything that we ever want to do. So it's like 
we no longer have anything that we really want to do. And now that we are being forced to like have this open time, nobody really knows what to do because it's the first time that they've experienced it for such a long t- for such a long time. Yes, this so. is this is the this is your forced free time. Here you go. Yeah. Um, but you're not able to do a lot of the things you would normally do in free time. So it's really just forcing people to just kind of like reflect and stay inside. And, you know, I mean, you can go for walks. You just have to go for isolating walks. Yeah. I went on a run. I went on a run the last two days. There you go. I went on a walk today as well. So, um, but you know, before we kind of get into the things that you can do to stay healthy, there is thought that you know, just so everyone knows that the, this virus can survive in the air for, it can be airborne for three hours. They think, yeah. Um, yes. Uh, I've heard more reports about that and potentially link, live longer on surfaces for days. So that is also part of the reason for the isolation is because um, if someone's sick, you know, it is easily transmitted between people. Yeah. So just kind of keeping that in mind as well, but... What can we do to kind of stay healthy and but what can we do to help the situation as well? So there are a lot of things that you can do. Like what? One, stay healthy. So keep your immune system like ready for battle, like we said. So what does that involve? Uh, try and get plenty of sleep if you can. Eat well. So So try and eat a balanced diet. And then exercising. Now, this is tough because I know gyms a lot of gyms are closed and we shouldn't be going there but there's a lot there's more than ever there's so many options to do at home you know I just did a bar class at home didn't need any props nothing just a mat in addition to apps though I mean you're totally right and our DB peeps could certainly revisit one of our early episodes where we drank the fit vine wine to talk about some of those streaming apps and I know a lot of places are kind of doing like a special discounted membership pricing for that just because of the current situation but the one thing that like came across my mind is a lot of people will have kids at home now and so it's like ask your kid like what you used to do in gym class or make up fun you know running across the room but basically like you know skipping rope or jumping or doing inchworms or something like that and you do it along with them because it kind of gets it's like a little bonding moment too so you know if you have the ability to do that during your day uh I think that that would be really fun to just kind of make your own like fun game creative gym class at home because your kids should also be getting that you know activity too definitely and you know as it gets warmer you can still go outside and not go to the playground but like go to the backyard or like run around the block or stuff like that so definitely trying to keep healthy um I feel like this whole thing is forcing us to like revert back to like the 70s or 80s right yeah I know if you're smoking you should stop smoking that's it or vaping that's the other thing because that is going to put you at risk so you want to do that ASAP. What else, Jamie? What else can we do? What else can we do? Of- okay, obviously wash your hands and um, not, apparently not touch your face. Uh, but I think with the whole social distancing thing, I think that you can take it to, you know, the extreme and like stick it, like stay within your house, which is I think what we're doing here. But they also say that hashtag stay the fuck home. You're not supposed to be in groups of more than 10 people. 
you're not supposed to sit in restaurants or bars. And like I said before, a lot of states are actually or towns are actually uh, closing those down. But I, I do know that some places to kind of keep revenue going are doing like curbside pickup or pick carry up out, carry out or yeah. delivery. Yeah. Or delivery. Even wine is being delivered. So, Girl, I, I got so many emails today and I was like, curbside pickup. I was like, wait this a sounds second. amazing. Yes. Like, can so, you keep this later? Um, the other, I know that flights are super cheap and it has been infuriating to me to see people actually still going on vacation and still talking about keeping their flights and even their hair appointments and nail appointments. Cancel that shit. Cancel it. Cancel all of it. Cancel I, I, all your plans. I believe that a number of the airlines are now being more lenient with their cancellation policies. If you have a trip that's a long ways away and you just don't want to cancel it, purchase your trip insurance. There's an idea. So that you won't be out because I don't know how long these, you know, these leniencies will exist. So it's best to really, I mean, just really hunker down and kind of do your thing. Definitely. The other thing is, is if you do develop symptoms like a cough or fever, uh, you definitely don't want to show up to the ER. You need to call your doctor before. So like if you go to your, uh, you can even try and prepare and contact your doctor ahead of time and say, who should I call? Uh, Mm. If you go online, you know, there's urgent cares that have phone numbers like you want to call before you show up because if you do have it and you expose everyone else without people being prepared for you to show up, that's not a good thing. That's a good, just kind of keeping that in mind. Yeah. That's a great Um, suggestion. Yeah. Don't buy into the myths. Like there's a lot of things out there, you know, there's people that are going to try and make money off this. Oh my God, girl. Asana is not going to kill coronavirus. I would think that that would, like, incubate it. Like, it would make it worse. Right. Oh, my God. Garlic's not going to kill it. Like, spraying Lysol on your face is not going to kill it. Like, don't. It's also not safe. Don't do it. You don't want to call poison control. Please don't buy into the myths. Ask your doctor. Ask someone who knows before you, like, actually believe something that's out there with a lot of... Like I said, people are going to try and capitalize on this. People already have. Oh, they totally already have. You're, uh, oh my God, I've been so disgusted at humankind recently, just seeing some of the reports of things. Yes, there's been a lot of gross people out there. I know you said there was a guy who like hoarded hand sanitizer. It was these two brothers. They like bought everything up and then they were selling it on Amazon and eBay for like 80 to 100 bucks for like small things. And then. trouble in as far as Amazon and eBay like blocked them from selling. They took them off as being vendors. And so they were stuck. Like there's just picture this guy's garage is just filled with masks and hand sanitizer and other disinfectants. And he's such a fucking asshole that I cannot believe that they did this. And he's got like a small kid and like a wife and they're just, there's pictures of them just chilling in the backyard with like their stockpiled, you know, resources and they were trying to fucking make a shit ton off of people in this pandemic. Now they're blocked, so they can't actually sell it. So they finally, I'm sure that they were pressured, they they donated it. So thankfully, like, they oh, came to their good. senses. But I'm like, you guys are dicks. Like, yeah, what? No. what? 
how could you how could you be so ruthless to think that that was an appropriate response to the situation that we are all finding ourselves in i could not could not believe it no that, that's not cool just not cool what else try not to hoard supplies that others might need like masks yeah i mean think about what you need if you're stuck in the house for two weeks so like prescription meds you might need Ooh, those that's good that's really you good. know like try and get your meds and other essentials but you don't need to hoard like you're not going anywhere for two years i mean come on yeah um, and then we got to stop comparing this to the flu it's different we have a vaccine for the flu guys like that's different yep they're <laughs> working on a vaccine but it's gonna for this but it's gonna be a while uh, yeah you know before yeah. it comes out so yeah i don't know i mean Desperate sarah times, in all honestly this is crazy yeah in all honesty, though, like, I think that, you know, my resolution for all of this is that I'm just going to FaceTime and call people and just drink my wine. I'm going to read some books. I'm going to go on walks. I'm going to hang out with my husband. We're going to do fun things. Maybe we'll play some games, do some puzzles. I got lots of puzzles. There you go. But, I, you know, I think... There are ways that we can go about this and do it right and still not feel totally caged in. I mean, I don't know about you, but for the last hour, I've just been sitting here. Like, I do get stir crazy working from home all the time. And so it's very difficult for me, like, when I don't leave the house for a while. But just talking to you for this past hour has been, I just don't feel like I've been in my house. Like, I just feel transported somewhere so it just takes me out of my head uh in the of the whole situation and just kind of like eases things out a little bit me too and i think that that's the key we just got to kind of keep in touch and keep each other sane right yeah so to everyone i mean good luck guys like you know <laughs> stay healthy stay healthy and safe. like stay home and you know okay we just we just had an episode on binge binge watching episodes. <laughs> like find find a new show and binge watch it. Yeah, we touched on but, Amazon, Hulu, Netflix. We touched on all of it. Like, yep. y- you guys will Now's have options. Time. Either that yeah. or the the book thing. Like, pick up a new book. Tell yep. us what book you just read. Tell us exactly. what you thought about it. Maybe we'll feature it in a future episode. Um, Agreed. Sarah, can you? I mean. Uh, again, Come in you on just the wine. yeah. I was gonna say I just told you that this conversation has made me feel like it's freed me a little bit. But yeah. let's become prisoners again. I'm hiding out here with my hideout wine. Now that you've had the prisoner opened up a little bit, talk to me. It's you know it's just it's a jammy wine. If you like jam and bold stuff, then this is for you. Like this is California all the way. Jammy with a with a touch of oak. I still get that blackberry smooth Mm. but yeah if you're into like the california jam this is it this is it man i'm like salivating thinking about it (laughs) yep it's it's a good one i'd say save Um, me some but just drink it all it could be a while we'll just (laughs) you know what we'll just have to celebrate with another bottle how about that yeah, when we're not prisoners any longer, when we've exactly. been free. Oh. So true. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Oh well, I think, uh, I think this is like a perfect pairing for our topic. And, yeah, like you said, hope everyone stays safe, healthy, and as happy as possible. Just get creative. Like, let your creative juices flow. Let the wine flow. And we'll see you next week is our plan. 
that's the plan, guys. Yeah. We're going to be here, and we're going to be keep, we're going to keep bringing it to you so that you stay entertained while you're inside <laughs> and informed. But maybe maybe we'll have a brighter topic next time. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, cheers. Thank you, Sarah. I miss you. I miss you too. <laughs> I'll see you when I see you. All right. Sounds good. All right. Cheers, DB peeps. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform to help spread the DBP word. Check out our website and blog at dbpcheers.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at dbpcheers or on the Drunk Bitches Podcast Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you. So send your questions, comments, and fun wine or topic ideas to dbpcheers at gmail.com. Until next time, cheers from the girls of DBP. DBP.